I want to welcome you to day three of our look together through John chapter 16 in daily drive time devotions. We're going to be looking at the subject of joy today. Jesus is going to be talking about the subject of joy. As we begin our look at this, let me just ask you, which of these words do you think would describe the typical Christian today or your typical life today? Let me just give you a list of eight or nine words. Worried, secure, uptight, peaceful, pressured, burdened, stressed, joyful. I think I'm afraid of the fact that for many of us, the worried, uptight, burdened life is ours more than the secure, peaceful, joyful life that God wants for us. You see, what makes life exciting really isn't the events in your day. It's not the money in the bank that you have. It's the joy in your heart. If you don't have joy in your heart over the events of the day or the resources that God has placed at your disposal, then life isn't going to be exciting no matter how much you have or how busy your life is. And there's just some people, you've met them, they can live every day with excitement and enthusiasm, while other people, they face the most exciting of days with only anxiety or apathy. It is joy that makes the difference. It's joy that builds genuine excitement. It's joy that doesn't disappoint or disappear in our lives. It's Jesus's kind of joy. If you've ever been uptight in your life as a believer in Jesus Christ, then you realize that, well, I'm needing something. There's something missing in my life. Well, Jesus understands that there are things missing in our lives. He understands that the circumstances don't turn out like we want them to turn out. But even in the midst of that kind of a life, he talks to us about joy. Listen to what he said to his disciples the night before he died in verses 16 to 18 of John 16. In a little while, Jesus said, you will see me no more. And then, after a little while, you will see me. Some of the disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while, you'll see me no more, and then after a little while, you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father. And they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We do not understand what he's saying. We're going to take a look together at God's process of joy the next couple of days, a three-part process that Jesus talks about in these verses. Now, the process isn't nearly so uh, simple as the word process sounds. It doesn't always happen in the same amount of time as you might think. The steps don't take the same length of time, but you always go through these three things when you come to the point of joy in your life. You want to understand God's process? Step number one in God's process is what the disciples were going through right here. Step number one is confusion. Step number one in God's process of faith is problems. We find that out in Romans 5 and in James chapter 1. And step number one in God's process of joy is often confusion. Things just don't make sense at the beginning. Here, Jesus was leaving, and they were confused. We, we don't understand. Jesus, why do you have to be going? Why, why should you be going? You see, we tend to depend on all of us. We tend to depend on things that we can hold on to for joy. And when God allows one of those things to be taken away, our, our first response is almost always confusion. God why would you do that? You put that into my life. Obviously, God sent Jesus into the world. There's nothing as obvious as that. So why would you take it out of my life? If you read through the New Testament, you find out that the disciples, Jesus, were often confused. I don't know about you, but in a strange way, that is, that is encouraging to me because I realize that's part, that's part of the process of life. All of us are sometimes confused at what's God doing? Why is he doing it? How is it working out? And so when you're confused, what should you do? Well, you should do what the disciples finally end up doing here. When you're confused, to build your joy in a time of confusion, you ask Jesus a question. You ask Jesus what's going on. Now, the answer doesn't always come back immediately. 
but at least it gets you listening. Now, the disciples here, they do what we usually begin to do. Either I think about it in my own mind, I'm confused, or the greatest extent that we go to is we do what they did. We discuss it amongst ourselves. Let me give you a simple principle about Bible study. Ask Jesus before you ask anybody else. Oh, it's okay to talk with other people. In fact, I've learned things from other people that I would never have learned if I hadn't been in a Bible study with them. So I'm not discounting learning from other people. But ask Jesus first. Sometimes he just wants to show you personally. Sometimes you need to listen and learn from him. And sometimes, in fact, all the time, I don't ask Jesus and no one else in the Bible study is asking him. Then that Bible study, that trying to figure out what God's doing in our lives, it turns into an exchange of our ignorance, an opportunity to share our opinions rather than really hearing the voice of God, what Jesus has to say. Now, I want, I want you to see that Jesus cares enough about us that even though we need to ask a question and we can't quite get to it, sometimes he brings it up anyway through some other person, through some other event. He brings it up because he wants to give us the answer. Look at what happened here, John 16, 19 to 20. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. And so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you'll see me no more and then after a little while you'll see me? And then he gives them the answer. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Jesus knows that he's going to die on the cross the next day. And he knows that there's going to be some people that rejoice in that moment, but not the disciples. He knows that the disciples are going to weep and mourn when that happens. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Step number two in God's process of joy in our lives, first there's confusion, second, grief. Grief. To build faith, to build joy during a time of grief, remember that grief is an inevitable part of the process of joy. You see, grief in our lives, it's the result of a loss. And loss is an unavoidable part of life on this earth. In heaven, there's going to be no more loss, no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more loss. But on earth, we constantly have losses. So we grieve. We grieve over the loss of a family member. We grieve over the loss of a job. We grieve over the loss of a a dream. We grieve over the loss of so many things in our lives. And when that loss comes, always along with loss comes the emotion of grief. Jesus says, you will weep, you will mourn, but your grief will turn to joy. We're going to talk about turn to joy tomorrow, but today I want to focus on the grief part. And I want to say that I've discovered in my life as a pastor, in my own personal life, that those who don't allow themselves to grieve don't experience joy. Why is that? It's because in refusing to grieve, we're pretending. We're pretending the loss really isn't there. We're pretending the loss really doesn't affect us. When it does in some way, it affects people differently, but it affects you in some way. And when you pretend that there's no loss and you don't allow yourself to grieve, to be honest about the feeling of loss, then you can't get through the grief to the joy. And so because you're pretending, you never get to joy. Pretending is not the way to joy. And when I talk about grief, you will grieve. Let me just remind you that we all grieve in different ways. When a family goes through grief over the loss of somebody who dies in the family, I've often seen that people expect everyone to grieve like they do. 
Why aren't they able to sit and be quiet like I am? That's how everybody should grieve. No, people grieve differently. Why don't they want to get out and be with people and talk about it like I do? Why, why do they sit and be quiet? Why can't they do that? They should grieve like I grieve. No, people grieve in different ways. Grieving is one of the most personal things that we do in our lives. And so it's going to fit your personality and who you are. We all grieve in different ways. It takes us different amounts of time to get through a grief. But what I'm saying here and what Jesus is saying is you will grieve. The Bible tells us in Thessalonians, Paul wrote and told them, we grieve as Christians, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. So instead of pretending, thinking that because I'm a Christian, I have to pretend that this really isn't a loss. I'm going to go to heaven someday. I won't feel this anymore. So I'll pretend I don't feel it now. Jesus says, you will grieve. You're going to weep. You're going to mourn. Other people around you might be rejoicing. You will grieve. So recognize the loss. And when you do that, you're looking forward to something. You don't even know it in that moment, but in a great way, you're looking forward. We're going to talk about that tomorrow, but before that, before that, you might need, as we pray today, just talk to Jesus for a few moments. You might need right now to ask for God's comfort for a loss in your life. God, come and comfort me. Now, you may be listening to this devotion at the very moment where you've just experienced a loss. This is God's timing in life to bring you this word of comfort right now. Or you may be hearing this and there's a loss in your life that happened maybe years ago, but you've never asked for God's comfort. You've never grieved that loss. You've always pretended it wasn't a loss. Jesus says, we have losses in this life. So come to me for comfort. Right now, say, Jesus Christ, comfort my heart. Jesus, thank you that you understand that we weep and that we mourn. And thank you that you comfort me in my grief. Thank you that in my loss, I can know that you are there. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Tomorrow, we're going to look together at the third step in God's process of joy. Joy.